0: Anyone know what book we're in this morning? Ephesians. Yeah, man. Ephesians. We are in the Bible too. That's true. That's, that's always a safe answer. The Bible. We are not in the Book of Mormon this morning. We are in the Bible. We're in the Book of Ephesians. We are uh, just at the beginning of our journey through the Book of Ephesians. And so we're going to get into that. Um, and I don't think we missed any other announcements, so... So last week, if, 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 if you weren't here, I encourage you to get, get some background and some insight in the book of Ephesians. Go online, listen to the sermon, you'll get a little bit of uh, a background. We're going to just jump in this morning, uh, and we're going to cover just a few verses, uh, probably get up to about verse 7. This morning, Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 1. I'm going to read down for a little bit, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on and see what the Lord has to speak to us through His Word. Amen? Amen? Amen. Sorry, I just, another man of faith died this week, and uh, his name was Donnie Moore. Uh, he was the chaplain for the Oakland A's, and he did uh, youth camps um, up in Northern California that I used to take my youth groups to, and um, he was a big foundational member, a man in Zachary's life, and uh, Matthews. Um, we used to go to the camps. He was part of the power team. He used to, you know, break all the bats and the bricks and all those things. And uh, he unexpectedly died this week. But uh, one of the things I've said it m- myself, very, very rarely do, do people make their own things up. They tend to find what other people do and kind of put in their life. One of the things he used to say every time he'd preach is I pray that as I begin to share this message, that I would slip away and that, Lord, you would take my place. And I was just about to pray that prayer. And I remembered that he is now with Jesus, which is awesome for him. Amen. So um, anyway, that's just a little, a little, little personal thing. Um, the, the Moore family and the ministry, Donnie Moore Ministries has lost their leader. So if you think about that being prayer for them, I was hoping to maybe someday get them down here Um, So Ephesians chapter 1, and that is my prayer that as we go, that the Lord will speak to us all. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to stop there, and we'll pick up in three in a few minutes. So this is kind of the, the prologue. This is the intro to the book. It's very similar to Paul's other letters, uh, where he would announce who he is or who is writing the letter and who it's going to. And so we find it's, it's Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, and it's going to the saints. Now, Paul, we probably know a little bit about Paul, but Paul was the man who persecuted the church He was there at the stoning of the very first martyr of the Christian church, which was Stephen. And and he, he was there agreeing with them as they killed Stephen. And then he began to persecute the church of God. Now, we don't understand this because I don't think anybody has ever knocked on your door and when you opened it up, drug everyone in the family out in shackles, beat them and put them in jail simply because they were Christians. Now, if I'm wrong, raise your hand. Does that happen to you? So we don't understand persecution um, at all, really, in this nation. I think the days coming could be coming in this nation that those things could happen. I think it's down the road a little while, but I think that that could happen. So this was Paul. Not the guy that you want to see knocking on your door. Okay? You, you think about this. This was the man who was killing your friends and imprisoning people. And uh, then he has this, uh, this experience with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He's walking there. The light comes down from, from heaven, knocks him to the ground, and he has a radical encounter with Jesus Christ personally. Now, this is why the very next word, he says, apostle of Jesus Christ. In this day, apostles were uh, very special. They were uh, known really pretty much as the original apostles. Uh, in, in this day, when he was using that, he was saying, I'm one of the apostles, which are like, wait a second, you weren't with Jesus when he walked on this earth. And so he is using that term apostle to, to help them understand, but I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And he's writing this to help them understand that he is um, chosen of God to teach, to preach, and to shape the churches. So Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. Apostles were uh, th- those people who would go in and they would uh, they would work on a church and help a church. They were especially sent from another church. And so Paul is using his authority to come, and he's talking to them of Jesus Christ. And then he, and then he throws this wonderful little phrase in here, real simple, by the will of God. By the will of God. Um, there are people who like to throw out they are titles in the, in the Christian church, and some of them probably are by the will of God, and some of them I don't think are. Just, you know, uh, there's some people like to introduce themselves as, hi, I'm Evangelist Rob." You know, hi, I'm prophet this, and I'm apostle this. And, and uh, we, we've, seen, we've seen some of these things, and, and I think that God has blessed some of these people, but I believe that there are some people who throw that in there just to kind of make it sound like they're, uh, they're something, and I don't think that they could put the word by the will of God upon, behind their name. But we can see the apostle Paul, as his salvation comes in the book of Acts, and everything he does is one of the primary figures in the book of Acts, and then who wrote the majority of the New Testament, that Paul was sent, and it was by the will of God. The majority of the doctrine the Christian church today has is is not from Jesus. It's from the letters of Paul. Paul teaches more theology and more doctrine, gives us understanding of the way we worship and the way we practice and serve God. So um, God used this man mightily. And some of you are going, wait a second, huh? But but think about it, you know, how do we conduct a worship service? Do we allow prophecy and tongues and these things? Why do we have that? Because Paul wrote. In Corinthians and Romans about spiritual gifts, and he taught us these things. So Paul was, was a supernaturally gifted apostle of Jesus Christ. He founded the church in Ephesus himself, with his, with his workers, and how he's writing this letter back to them. And so the next part, it says, to the saints who were in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. and talk about this phrase a little bit. One, the word saint. Uh, anyone, anyone go to a, a church when they were younger who had saints in it? All right. Okay. So some of you are very familiar with the church with saints. If you were to look up the definition of saint in a dictionary today, it would probably say something like those who are recognized by the church and ordained to that have done something special. And another definition would be somebody who's died already for Jesus might be a saint. Those definitions confuse us. Because if you came out of, a, like, a Catholic church or a church that believes in the saints, you know that you can't be a saint unless the Catholic church says you're a saint. And you have to have three verified miracles. And I believe that you don't become a saint until you die in the Catholic church, too. Right? And so I, we need to erase that name from our understanding because that is their definition of the word saint. The Bible has a whole different definition of the word saint. And that, it it comes out of of the word, those who are called out and set aside by God and those who are made holy by God. Basically, it's those who are Christians. The word saint is synonymous for Christian. You cannot be saved and not be a saint. So now turn to your neighbor if you know their name and say, good morning, St. Claude. (laughs) Whoa there's St. Greg over there oh my goodness boy you know if you're Catholic and you're starting to shake and wonder if lightning's gonna strike it's not I promise it's not because see the Bible says that we're all saints and here's actually one of the problems that has happened in in the in the liturgical churches churches that lifted certain people up is that it became about men instead of God it's about God and not about men. And so Paul is writing to the saints, and what he's saying is basically the Christians who are in Ephesus. Now, um, th- th- there's, th- this part is is just so you can know. There's some confusion in this letter. Um, Greek, you know that phrase that says, it's all Greek to me? There's a reason we say that. Because even if you understand Greek, it's all Greek to me. It's not always th- straight, simple-to-understand um, biblical Greek. In fact, those who like live in Greece don't speak biblical, Greece any, biblical Greek anymore. It was called Koine Greek. It's, it's changed so much. Um, it's kind of like us trying to go back and read um, Elizabethan um, English, where some are like, you're like, what does that word mean? Huh? Why'd they say that? That's actually the way it is. So in the Greek, there is confusion of whether this is a compound thing where he was saying... Um, to the saints who are in Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, uh, which which in one sense makes, m- makes sense, but then you say, wait a second, well, if you're in Christ Jesus, you should be faithful. So is that the same group or is it different? Uh, and, and some people actually believe that it was to the saints who are in Ephesus and all of the faithful in Christ Jesus everywhere. doesn't matter which way it is. It's to us because this was a circular letter. In other words, they wrote it to this group that lived in Ephesus. Remember, there's about 250,000 people in this town. There was probably more than just nine people sitting on a sofa eating popcorn at Life Group. Um, there were there was believers uh, and so they wrote this letter to the church churches in Ephesus and after it was read in the main place where it was sent it would have been circulated all around so um, you can you can just decide what you what you believe it was it just to the saints in Ephesus who are faithful in Christ Jesus or is it to, to all of them but there is that part that we need to understand that word faithful. Um, is is important it's part of the thing we cannot separate from christianity see if if you call yourself a believer today, you should also be faithful christianity today is has changed a lot uh, from from when it's whence it came from the beginning of time because as as a person living in the Roman world or in Uh, ancient Israel 2,000 years ago, if you were to, in a sense, change your faith and become a Christian, it meant something. It meant that you were probably going to be persecuted. It meant likely that you would lose family members who didn't follow your faith with you. It it could mean that you would lose your livelihood. And so when somebody would become a Christian, they didn't do it half-heartedly. You know, see, today a lot of people become a Christian and, and they, they, they might put the little ichthus on their car and, uh, you know, the NOTW sticker on the back of their car to just kind of identify with Christianity. I'm telling you, 2,000 years ago, you did not want to identify with Christianity for any other reason than you knew that Jesus Christ was the Lord. You, you just, you wouldn't want to do that because there was too much at risk too much loss. And so one of the things we can read this morning in the very beginning of Ephesians is that this letter is to us, and it's to us because we're saints in Christ, and we need to be faithful in Christ Jesus. And so so the very first part is an encouragement to us to go, hey, let's make sure that we're living faithful. And, And the next word is very, very, very important, in Christ Jesus. We have to be in him. You can't be faithful to God without being in him because you need his strength to help you day by day. Can I get an amen? Right, have you ever tried to live for Jesus without him helping you? It's kind of hard you know our mouths fly out we just start cussing and we got all these things that happen because of our flesh and we need to be rooted and grounded in Christ to even try to be faithful so the very the very prologue the very intro is full and then that's that's just verse one see I told you why we could be in Ephesians for a really long time in verse two um, it says grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Paul would address his letters often with this, but this morning, this is a prayer. This is a prayer, and and we're going to just kind of pray it and receive it ourselves as Paul would be praying it over us. Church, grace. Grace to you. Grace is what allows us to be saved. It's not of work, but it's by grace. And he's praying that we would understand God's grace, which the word is charis. It's, it's gift. It's given to us. Um, and, and it's that which we don't have to work for and strive for, but we can receive grace. And the next part of it is he wants us to have peace. He wants us to have peace. And I tell you, in, the, in, the, in this world that we live in, things are always flying at us and they're all crazy. And, and to have peace in the moment, is one of the greatest gifts. And so this morning, Paul's praying for us to that we would have his, God's grace and God's peace. And Father, this morning, we want to receive that. God, we thank you for your grace, that we can stand in, in Jesus Christ, that we can stand saved because of grace. God, and that, that even when our lives are turning upside down, we can have peace. God, give us the peace. The Irene of God. Peace of God. From God. Not from anything else. No other source. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Last week we talked about some of the key words. One of the key words was heavenly places and one of the key words was riches. This is the very beginning. He's he's wanting us to understand that, that Jesus Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that's in Christ. Now, go back with me in your mind for just a moment to the Old Testament and remember the blessings of God upon the people most of the blessings of God were tangible. He he let them be free from the enemy. He provided food. He provided sometimes riches. He provided land. And now, so the the blessings of God in the Old Testament often were actually tangible physical blessings. Now we're in a new era, and Paul is praying that you would have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Does he still provide for me? Yes. But, But now we're talking about that there is a spiritual, blessing and this morning we're going to begin to get into seven of the blessings which are found right here in the first part of ephesians so we're going to talk about seven of the blessings we're only going to get through a couple and then we're going to have a communion holy moly okay so i'm going to go quicker with the blessings so that we can get on to communion amen <laughs> but blessed be the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places now I need to tell you this verses four through 11, four through 11, I'm sorry, four through 14, um, is one long sentence in the Greek with no periods. So if you were to do that, what you'd want to do is take a deep breath and start reading chap- verse four, and don't stop reading until you get to verse 14. And when you do that, what does that mean? That means that this whole sentence is connected. You can't separate it out. It's not just bad grammar. It's this, I don't know where to put the period because this is all connected together. And these are the blessings that come in the spiritual blessings that God has for us in Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna hold my breath and try to read 11 verses here. But it's, it's important to know. We're only gonna get through a few of, uh, of this um, as we go. But as you read this, I want you to think, wow, that's one big sentence. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The very first blessing here is that God chose us to be holy and blameless. He chose us to be holy and blameless. He had a desire. He had a plan. It wasn't happenstance. And we're not going to get lost on the choosing and the predestination. I'm going to talk just a little bit about that. But the, the big blessing is that We are to be holy and blameless. Holy and blameless. So again, you can look to your neighbor, St. Claude, and say, St. Claude, it's good to see that you are so holy and blameless this morning. Amen? You can do that. Go right now. You can quickly tell the person, wow, St. Claude, it's great to see that you're so holy and blameless this morning. Doesn't that feel extremely odd and awkward because you went, wait a second, if you knew me you would know that i am not blameless you know and there's probably a lot of great wife jokes in there and husband jokes in there but or nor holy but he chose us in him to be holy and blameless what is that go back what is the the very first part grace he chose you to be holy and blameless and the only way you can do that is by being in him and receiving his grace but it's a gift you don't have to do it. Thank you, Jesus. I like gifts. And I let you like gifts. Yeah. This is one. This is, and this is amazing. You're holy and you're blameless. Um, let's, let's, let's go on and, and hit the next one. And um, number two, we're just going to read a little bit further. Having predestined us to adoption, this is verse five, as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And that's, that's kind of a full one there. He predestined us to adoption. So I'm going to clear this up real quick. This whole predestination, I'm not going to clear this up, but I'm going to talk about it real quick. Uh, we don't have enough time to try to even begin to clear this up, but maybe I can help a little bit. Predestination and choosing. That whole idea. Let me ask you a question. Does man have free will? Does the Bible say that God predestined us to salvation? how does that work? Thank you. I'm glad nobody thinks they know, because I don't. Nobody really knows. They have all these ideas. But here on earth, we're having a hard time with understanding this. But you can't have free will if it's absolute predestination. And it cannot be absolute predestination and let anyone have a free will. So God understands this idea that he chose us to be holy and blameless, and he predestines us, and yet we choose. Now, one of the things that we choose is this, believe it or not, is this right here, it says that he chose, he predestined us to adoption. So he had this design and desire to adopt you. And I think adoption is amazing. We, we spent six years trying to adopt a baby, and it didn't work, and so that's a whole nother story. Um, Adoption is a wonderful thing. Here's why adoption is wonderful. Somebody comes up to you and says, out of all of these people, I want you. Now, you know, you give birth to a baby and you love that baby. You you know, your wife gives birth to a baby, you love that baby. There's there's something special about that. But you're kind of stuck with your baby. (laughs) That's why sometimes when it's really, really bad, we look at it and say, are you sure you're mine? These things come out of our mouths. But, 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 you know, there's something about birth. You love them. Adoption is choosing to love you, making a choice. So we were predestined to be adopted by God, and you cannot be in the vine unless you're adopted by God. We've all been adopted. If you've called on the name of Jesus, you've been adopted. That's a blessing from God, that you are no longer outside the family. You know, when when we were trying to do adoption, we learned a lot about adoption. You have to sign paperwork that makes you understand that you cannot adopt a child and then leave them out of the will. If they're adopted, they're equal partners with all your other kids in the will. There's no changing. There's no differentiations. They are yours. So we were all adopted by God. Predestined to be adopted. We're adopted by God. That means we're co heirs with God's Son, who is Jesus Christ. I get all of the blessings that Jesus gets. The Bible says it's true. So, one of the blessings that the Ephesians is talking about is that God chose us and adopted us, and now we're His. And believe it or not, Warren, you and me, he actually looked and he says, I want Warren and Rob. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Now, here's where the free will comes in. He gives you a free will to accept Jesus Christ and accept his payment for your sin so that you can be adopted. So if you haven't accepted that, you're not adopted. So, so that's kind of this, this predestination free will thing. It's, it's, just, it's, it's both sides. If we go into a total, uh, on the one side, it's fatalism. If you go to, um, it's all God and he, you, man can do nothing, it's absolute fatalism. But if we go into, man can, has all the power and authority, we go into humanism. That's why I believe that the truth is in between these two radical sides. The third, third uh, blessing. And then we're gonna go into communion. This is why we're doing communion at the end because this last blessing here. In verse six, it says, to the praise of his glory of his grace. I do have to, I have to, I don't want to go on without this. This phrase appears a number of times in the book of Ephesians. All of the things that he does for us is not about us. It actually still comes back, and it's about him. He loves us, and he chose us to his praise, to his glory. He, you, you bring God glory, and you bring God's praise through your life because he adopted you and chose you for holiness in him verse 7 we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence i love the fact that he puts in there that he thought about this this isn't the great boo-boo of god giving us grace he gives us grace forgiveness and redemption in wisdom and in prudence but that's the third blessing we're going to get to the other four next week church you've been redeemed you have been redeemed one of the things that we're really good at in in this new culture is is redeeming things you know he, but we just sang song. i'm like we didn't we sing that song this morning my redeemer lives well he's my redeemer because he redeemed me we are really getting good as a culture of redeeming things. Anyone got any redeemed barn wood or anything hanging around your house, right? We take things and we fix them and we make them special and new. We redeem things all the time and, and it's getting very popular and very expensive. Uh, you know, those old barns used to drive through the Midwest and you had tear them down because they're so ugly. Now those people are, are chopping up their barns and selling them for big bucks. They're redeeming them. Those barns that that were all dilapidated and would serve no purpose have been redeemed. Church, that's you and me. There was no purpose for me outside of Christ. I was lost. I didn't have hope. I was a sinner who, who really didn't have a lot to offer and nothing to offer in the eternal value, and God chose to redeem me. He chose to redeem you and forgive you actually forgive you not just go you know i'm going to be nice to you even though i'm still mad that's the way we do things he forgives you he loves you and he redeemed you as i continue to talk for just a minute i'm going to ask the the gentleman to pass out the elements for the communion we're going to do communion in just a few minutes here and um yeah please the riches of god's grace The riches of his mercy. He's given us gifts. He chose us to be holy and blameless. And again, he didn't choose that, please try really hard to be holy and blameless. It's not what he's saying. He says, you are holy and blameless. As the elements come through, hold on to them, and we're going to take them together in a few minutes. Thank you very much, Joe. He adopted us into his family. Adoption shouts the truth that says, I'm wanted. I'm wanted. Some of you may feel like that 13-year-old in the orphanage. You know, when you start getting 12, 13, 14 years old and you're living in an orphanage, the chances are about this big that anyone's ever going to want to adopt you. You know, we've seen the movies. We know it's it's just it's a sad truth. It's a sad truth. Some of you in your life maybe have felt like that 13-year-old in the orphanage going, "You know what? See these little cute kids, that little 2-year-old? Oh yeah, they're going to get adopted. They're really cute. But no one wants me." And God said, "I want you. You're not too old not too ugly your personality and disposition is not a problem for me I can handle it you know how rough you are I'm not scared of it I choose you adopted you and when you receive that that I want to adopt you I'm gonna forgive you of everything I can say, everything. Everything. Some of us have done things that we've never told another soul about. Some of us, we're saved, we love Jesus, we know that we're forgiven, and yet we still hold shame of something we've done in our life. And we still won't let anyone know that thing we've done, you're forgiven. Even of that. And then he says, I want to redeem you. I'm going to make your life count for something in Christ. It doesn't have to be useless. It's not ready to be torn down and thrown away so we can build a bigger person, a bigger, better barn. No, I'm going to redeem you, and you're going to be so amazing that people will want you to come to their home and shine like a uh, 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 a redeemed piece of barn wood that maybe somebody makes a showcase. God is going to redeem your life as you allow Him to where you can go into somebody's home and shine for Him, and they'll want you to come back because you have something of value in you, and that's Jesus Christ. We're forgiven. the Old Testament forgiveness there was this idea when they would slaughter the lamb there was another lamb they'd lay their hands on one they would slaughter and the other they would set free into the wilderness And, and the word would actually kind of mean to be carried away forgiveness it was the idea that you were set free to go we've been set free no longer in chains no longer in bondage all this was accomplished in Christ and it wasn't the secondary plan of God. God planned from the very beginning. He knew that it was going to take redemption of the blood of Jesus Christ. The prophets, the law, all pointed to Jesus. Leviticus 17:11, and re- reiterated in the book of Hebrews, says that there needs to be shedding of blood. In order for there to be forgiveness of sin. And it wasn't going to be the spotless lamb. That wasn't enough. It needed to be the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ. And He did it for you and He did it for me. And He's calling us today as we begin this journey through Ephesians. You're my saints. You're my faithful. Be faithful. Walk and understand that I've chosen you, Thank you. I picked you out. And you are holy and blameless in me. I've adopted you into my family. I chose that. You're wanted. And you're forgiven and redeemed. And your life will be a redeemed life as you allow him to do that. Communion recognizes and celebrates Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the breaking of his body, which causes all these things to be our riches in Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms, is found this morning as we take communion together. We're part of the body of Christ, and he did all of this for us. When he broke bread on his final supper with the disciples, he, he took a a piece of matzah was very similar to this and he broke it and as he gave it out to him he says this is my body it's broken for you what he did he did for you church God I thank you that you sent Jesus and Jesus that you allowed yourself to be broken for me so that I could have the riches in Christ Jesus thank you for the body Jesus let's take the bread together the Bible says that in the same manner he took the cup and he said this is the blood of a new covenant and thank God for the new covenant because the old covenant I couldn't keep there's no way that I could keep all the law but he says no I'm gonna I'm gonna do the work for you and by grace you're saved not by works Ephesians 2 Heavenly Father, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus, the painful, gruesome offering for my salvation, forgiveness, redemption. Tell him this morning, God, thank you that I am forgiven. Thank you that I'm redeemed. Thank you that I'm holy and blameless, and thank you that you adopted me all because of the shed blood of Jesus. I receive the sacrifice. Thank you that I'm a saint. And God, I want to be faithful to you. As we take the cup this morning, we're proclaiming this morning our desire to be faithful to him, in him. Let's take the drink together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah the riches of his grace. The spiritual realms are yours and mine. God, we thank you for your riches. As we go into this week, as we part company today, God, I pray that you would bring us back together into our life groups and to do life and fellowship with one another. That we would remember the sacrifice give you honor in all that we do. Father, we thank you for the prayer of Paul, and we receive that prayer now of grace and peace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.